waste problem. And our next guest has done just that by starting a project that collected around 300 breads and then redistributed them uh, back to those in need. I'd like to welcome to the program Daisy Tam, an assistant professor at the Department of Humanities and Creative Writing at the Hong Kong Baptist University. Welcome to the program, Professor Tam, and thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to, to have you on the show. So um, for those of you as excited as us, uh, join us on Facebook Live, uh, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. You can uh, comment there and you can also maybe share how you've been uh, tackling uh, the, the food waste problem here in Hong Kong. So first of all, maybe can you share with us, how did your interest in food security begin? So um, the story really began when I started doing research on food and I was interested in the ethical practices of um, how people how people saved food how people shopped for food how did they do in their everyday way everyday lives um, to try and sort of do slightly better in the way they eat and so in that time I um, worked actually I worked for five years um, in Borough Market in London um, selling apples and during those five years, I got to know a lot of people who worked with food, um, the producers, the sellers, the market traders, the customers, and everyone else in between in that spectrum. For me, the highlights of um, working in the market were many, but one of the things that really got me, I think, into thinking about surplus food and food waste, and then ultimately food security, was the end of the workday, where a lot of um, the traders would save all the bits of food that can't be sold because the market would be closed on Sunday and we would exchange it amongst ourselves. And as a very poor student in London, that was my gold mine. That was like my highlight because, yes, food in London was expensive and being a student um, was hard. So any bit of free food was really welcomed. Um, so I did a lot of work around those kind of alternative economies. And when I came back to Hong Kong six or seven years ago, and when I started my work here in Hong Kong, I was interested in the same kind of um, question, where do all the surpluses go, but much more on a city level. And the more I did research, the more shocked I became because Hong Kong, to my mind, and still today, um, it's, it's the place where I grew up and it's such a rich city. No one would really just think about Hong Kong having food insecurity. But of course, yeah, the more I researched, the more I realized that um, the society is extremely... Um, there's a huge differentiation, huge gap between the rich and poor, and that there has to be something uh, that we could do. Yeah, well, let's talk about this food insecurity, insecurity then. Who are the people who need the food, mm -hmm. and where do the excess food that we have from supermarkets or restaurants, where do they go? So this is great because um, we do have a lot of uh, surpluses. I mean, food waste occurs at every step of production. In Hong Kong, we focus more on um, the suppliers, the manufacturers, because we don't have so much production. So even in the retailers and the, in the restaurants at the end of the day, you see a lot of people taking and throwing away the leftover food. And usually that goes to landfill which is a problem because we are running out of, of space. space. Yeah. Yes. At the same time, we do have 20% of the population living on the poverty line. So 
um, the elderly, um, the the low income families, uh, very much rely on local charities and community groups to uh, and 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 the various uh, food assistance programs that has sprung up in the last five or six years. Um, so. A lot of charities in Hong Kong who do what we call food rescue actually collect all these surpluses at the end of the day and then either sort it back in their um, headquarters or they distribute it to these families in need. Um, for me, I think this is a wonderful way of uh, killing two birds with one stone. We save uh, landfills from precious space. It's very much saturated at this point and we use this resources um, and we take it to people who actually need it and can use it yeah um, let's talk about your project then about your food uh, crowdsourcing program uh, you've just completed the first phase and now you're about to launch your second phase tell us about it first of all how did it go um, so this is is very exciting and very new for me um, in your introduction, you might have noticed that I come from the Department of Humanities and Creative Writing. I was very much trained in the arts and humanities. Um, but I do feel that no one discipline can have all the answers. To any social problems and issues, um, we need to work together. And so with this project, um, I have been very lucky to have met and worked with uh, very interdisciplinary uh, scholars, researchers, and people on the ground. So what we have done is actually um, built a software uh, web application. So it's, yeah, software, um, whereby we show people where all the leftover food is and where we can drop off. So this came because um, we were trialing, I was following up on a lot of different operations and a lot of charities collecting leftover food. So some work really wonderfully and, and it makes total sense. For example, smaller community charities who collect from the wet markets, a little trolley would do. Right, because it's fresh produce and you want people from the area not to have to walk very far and that works perfectly well. And um, on the other end of the spectrum, you have all the big lots coming from the suppliers or coming from warehouses whereby you need certain infrastructure, big kind of lorries to go and collect and then to distribute it in a different way. And then there's those in between, which is where I find really interesting and that's bread. So in Hong Kong, we have a lot of bakeries all around um that's true hong kong people are big you know on, on bread whether it's for breakfast or tea time sometimes for dinner as well yeah absolutely and it's always there's always one that you would walk by um and they all close actually more or less around eight thirty till 9 and they are all very much willing to donate their surplus bread, especially for the big chains. Um, now the problem is, how do you go about collecting all this kind of bread all across town within that one hour window? So there was a logistical issue here that we were trying to tackle. Um, currently, um, before we had this, this intervention, um, charities would recruit volunteers, assign them to certain bakeries, and they would go and, and, and collect um, from these specific shops and then bring it back. So that was one very good way of collecting bread. But sometimes you there are branches that had better sales, right? Like they, they would sell out or they would have very little left that they could donate. And so the volunteers would go, would show up and, think, and, and pick up whatever's left over. And sometimes it might not be a lot. 
So we thought there might be a better way for us to all work together um, so we can so we we can better utilize the resources, not only just the bread and the food, but also the volunteers' time, the charity's efforts, all of these could be better utilized. So the platform, what it does, it, it, it shows um, about an hour before closing, the bakery shop staff would input um, the approximate about, uh, amount of bread onto the platform, and then the volunteers would be able to see it. So they could then decide whether or not it would be worth them going to that the one that specific bakery Brunch, that they have, yeah. yeah, exactly that they've um, signed up for. Wow! Um, and then once they go, they arrive, they pick it up. They can also enter how much they have collected, and then the um, the amount goes back to the charity. So there's a lot less paperwork as well afterwards. Yeah, and where do the the, the bread end up then? I mean, which charities do you then donate to, or individuals who who do you, who who gets the bread? So currently, with the pilot phase, um, I've been working with Foodlink. And so Foodlink, as a charity, they collect. And then they already have within their beneficiary the network. network yeah. yeah, exactly. And so they would have it um, packed into uh, as breakfast packages and as part of the, the, the meals for the um, for their yeah beneficiary network. Yeah. Wow, that's such an awesome idea. Congratulations, <laughs> Daisy. You. So now you're um, about to launch its second phase. So how is it different and what did you learn from the first phase that will be different uh, in the second phase? Um, so phase two is all about scaling. I want to see how, because ultimately I'm really interested in the question of um, what conditions make it possible for us to work together? So again, this is, I think, a very sort of humanities, coming from the humanities type of question. Of course, I'm engaged with technology and of course I'm engaged with real-time technology, um, uh, leveraging network effects and all this, but ultimately what is it that we are trying to do, right? So I'm not um, pursuing this from a technological perspective, I'm pursuing it from a humanistic perspective. I want to understand how it is possible for us to enable better decision making for humans, not for computers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's often how I kind of explain the difference. Um, whereas people, I think, Whereas in this tech technological age, people are interested in sort of like the tech space. What is the data tell you? How can we improve it to make it, you know, better for 2.0 yeah. rather than Correct. the... the <laughs> No, but I understand you. That's probably a much better uh, approach. Um, let's talk about sort of the Hong Kong culture or, or Chinese culture as well. I think food is a big part of um, our culture. And a lot of times people don't think so much about excess food. And it's almost like, you know, the more food you have, the the uh, the, the more, um, the, the better you, you, you're doing for yourself or the status. How can we change or shift that mindset, you know, that um, we shouldn't be wasting food and we should be starting at a smaller level? I think attitudes have changed a lot in the last five to seven years. Um, when I first worked on this topic, 
I think a lot of people sort of have this question mark above Will their this heads. Work in like, Hong Kong, <laughs> yeah, and it is true culturally. We do enjoy being, for example, good hosts, which are then sort of manifested by saying, "Yeah, have a lot, you know, a lot of food on the table." Um, banquets should be <laughs> too too much excessive. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, but people have changed, and I think that increasingly you find. People saying, "Oh, yeah, no, I think we shouldn't order so much, or we should pack away the food." And it's more widely accepted to be seen doggy bagging all your leftovers,、yes. right? So I think attitudes take time to change, but it is happening. What I think we need to kind of think more about is not just finishing the food on our own plates, but what is it that we are participating in? What kind of food culture are we participating in? So. I think buffet is a good example.、Um, the excessiveness of that、um, of of that kind of particular way of eating, I think, is <laughs> is excessive on many levels. I understand the the desire to try as many、um, types of food as possible, but what is actually ultimately doing is Creating a culture of a consumption,、um, a consumer culture that is gluttony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree with you, Daisy. I mean, I think buffet was something I used to do when I was much younger, when I was in my twenties. I won't reveal my age now, but <laughs> you know, in recent years, whenever you know somebody suggests a buffet, it's I, I understand the appeal. You know, there's so many different variety of food, but actually, when you go to a buffet, you stick to you know a few dishes, and then you're done.、Um, not This is not to diss buffets and the idea. I'm sure people, you know, have have celebrations at, at buffets, but it's true. I think as you age a little bit, your appreciation for food also changes, and that you know sometimes you know a nice healthy meal outweighs all the variety that we find in a in a buffet as well. I want to talk a little bit more about、uh, sustainable、uh, food consumption as well. Is the way we are consuming the food is it sustainable for the long term? I mean, or are we, <laughs> end with a big question. I mean, or are we consuming too much? And you know, where, like you said, Hong Kong is a rich city. You know, it's it's a sin that people are, are going hungry. So, for those of us who can afford, are we are we not doing our part by by not eating sustainably? That's a that's a really good question.、Um, <laughs> I think ultimately, food security is everyone's problem. It's It's not only a certain part of the population. I think I I am、um, I'm concerned with、uh, the low income families at the moment because they are want they 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 are once experiencing it already.、Um, so sustainability is not something that is、um, that chooses their victims. I think the way we eat is going to affect. Later generations or later years, and it's already happening.、Um, we are so heavily dependent on import. So, <laughs> yeah, in not, Hong Kong, if we're struck by natural disasters, we we don't even grow any of our food. You know, then saying the planes don't arrive, then we'll have no food. 
Correct. I mean, that is that is pretty much like the doomsday scenario that um, that that I often play with in my mind. I quite like sci-fi as well, so that's that doesn't really help with don't, the whole apocalyptic scene. Don't watch Chernobyl. Yeah. Oh really, yeah, it really makes you worried about. Oh no, it's not just food security; it's water security as well. And it's very true. I mean, I think that's why sci-fi is also a very wonderful. Um, place to explore some of these fears um, that that are collective, that is not specific to a nation or to a city. These are sort of collective uh, concerns. Um, but Singapore, for example, share very similar conditions as Hong Kong, but yeah. they are actively trying to tackle food security. So they're increasing their local production. They're doing a lot to um, boost the agriculture. Yeah, absolutely. Through t technology and other ways, um, diversifying their imports, buying land elsewhere to produce food for themselves, um, rescuing and reducing food waste. Um, a lot, they, they're making a lot more effort, which I feel is, yeah, it's, it's the good, it's the right decision to make, yeah. I think. Wow. Daisy, I'm learning so much from you this afternoon. I wish we could continue with this discussion. <laughs> uh, food for thought, indeed. I, you know, it never really occurred to me that if Hong Kong is struck by a natural disaster or even man-made, um, then we are, we're, we're in deep trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, where, where will our food come from, you know? Oh, dear. Well, hopefully it hasn't bummed our, our listeners out. Remind our listeners once again how they can find out more, a little bit more about uh, your projects. And have you got a website where they can uh, visit your work as well? Please do. Um, I have a website called hkfoodworks.com. So that's H-K-F-O-O-D-W-O-R-K-S.com. Um, and please, yeah, get in touch. Let me know if you'd like to volunteer because I am recruiting volunteers to try out Phase 2 and would very much like to have you involved and hear what your thoughts are about working together to collect more food. Excellent. Well, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon. And that's Professor Daisy Tam, an assistant professor at the Department of Humanities and Creative Writing at the Hong Kong Baptist University. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Noreen. <laughs>